Welcome to the Bob Siegel Show podcast on the Cross Global Media Radio Network. Visit cgmradio.com slash bob to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform. Say hello again to Jim Barrier. Well, hi. It's good to be back here, Bob. And we, we are going to talk a little more tonight about pop culture and some politics. But we are going to talk tonight about some of the celebrities that have passed away in 2022. Now, I have friends, I know people that get, you know, they kind of get up in arms and say, you shouldn't glorify these people and you shouldn't make them idols and and the whole... Well, you know, how is it making an idol out of somebody just to be said that they passed away? That, that doesn't well, make a whole lot you know, of sense. Relig- religion can do funny things to people's minds. But I, I want to point out that celebrities have been a part of humanity as long as there's been civilization. The the ancient Greeks celebrated athletes, the Romans had famous actors and philosophers and playwrights. Even the cavemen had Fred Flintstone and Barney and Wilma. I mean, so it's been going on for the longest time. I forgot all about them, I. But even in the Bible, after one of David's victories, they wrote songs and danced and sang in the streets. You know, Saul has killed his thousands, David's killed tens of thousands. And when Aaron, Moses' right-hand man, died. Israel mourned for 30 days. And so celebrating the life of famous people is... 30 days, that's 10 days less than Moses was up on the mountain while they were worshiping the golden (laughs) calf that Aaron made. You can see that I don't hold Aaron on too high of a pedestal. (laughs) No. You know, and Aaron obviously had his failures, just like all of them. They all did. But, But the point of it is, that people have always had this uh, recognition of celebrity status, whether it's, you know, military or politically or even entertaining. It's always been a part of things. And so, you know, public mourning is nothing new. I remember, uh, you. I'm sure you remember the day I was in the seventh grade when they gathered everybody hastily into the school auditorium in junior high at Palm Junior High, right there in, in uh, San Diego area, Lemon Grove. And, and uh, the principal came in and announced, that President Kennedy had been assassinated. We were young, but it rocked us, and it shook the nation to its core. And this country mourned. I don't know that we have mourned that heavily since that time. It was a tragic thing. I don't think anyone we're going to talk about tonight would be on that level of that element of tragedy. But there have been some big-name people that have passed away that we spent some time a few weeks ago talking about Queen Elizabeth, who passed away this year. And so we devoted quite a bit of the show to her already on the evening. I guess they can go back and look in the archives, right? We have You have all that recorded. Stuff. Yeah, yes. Both on my website and there was a podcast version made of that as well. Okay. On the CGMradio.com. There you go. There you go. <laughs> so we did We did talk about Queen, and I, I will miss her. I don't think there's been anybody quite like her. I, I don't remember a time when she wasn't Queen. I, my whole life, she was Queen. For most of us, that's the case. Uh, there are the people, a few people that are older than me, uh, whoever they are. So that was a biggie this year, I think, and it's someone that most of the world respected her. Even if they didn't agree with everything, they had to respect uh, that she saw that country through so much for so long. And on the home front here, not quite a queen, but Donald Trump's first wife, Ivana, passed away. And I'm sure that's a sad time for her family. And uh, But she was, she was part of the limelight before Donald was president, obviously. 
This is one that I'm a little intrigued by. Bernard Shaw, you remember him? But CNN anchor from 1980 to 2001. And that was before there was so much bias and ridiculousness. He was a much more impartial journalist in that day. He was also a former Marine, which may have lent itself to keeping some balance in his perspective. And so Bernard Shaw passed away. And since we are kind of journalists, you're more a journalist than I am. You pay much more attention to... uh, I don't call myself that, but I follow the news (laughs) and I... News commentary would be more my title than journalist, I guess. Yes, yeah. Uh, but far more than, than myself. I, I tend to try to look at the light side of a lot of things. I, I swing back and forth. I'm either joking around and being the class clown, or I'm talking about deep theological issues. <laughs> so, so you're somewhere between those two. Uh, I do my fair share of joking around, too. But yeah, <laughs> well, we're li- well, we're living in serious times, and you got to laugh or you'll go out of your mind. Yeah, I think sometimes humor is a good way to deal with things. Absolutely. Uh, and we will talk about some of the people who have been humorous in our lives. Now, let's start with, I have this kind of in segments, so I wanted to start with television stars. And for me, one of the significant ones was Michelle Nichols, the original Uhura from Star Trek. Uh, Yes, and that was, was, uh, people don't understand what a big thing that was, because you didn't see a lot of African Americans on television shows in those days. Some, there was Bill Cosby and I Spy, but it was pretty landmark. And he was a couple of years after her, when she came on the scene, she was the first black woman to be a principal in a major television series. Also, you know that she shared the first interracial kiss on TV. Yes, unfortunately, as in what was in one of their stupidest episodes, but it became famous because of that landmark kiss. Because because of that. It wasn't stupid because of the kiss. It was stupid because it had a stupid story. Yeah, it was a dumb story, but and you know, you know, you got to give her some props that that she Put up with kissing William Shatner. <laughs> well, that had to be challenging. He was a little younger in those days, just to give him his credit. He didn't look like the I William Shatner of today. Yeah, but Jim, he put he everything he had into the part. <laughs> exactly. I wonder if he paused during the kiss. It's television's <laughs> first racial kiss. <laughs> You did that pretty well. Uh, anyway, Michelle went boldly where no woman had gone before. <laughs> uh, here's one. This is another interesting one. You may have remembered the, uh, watching the show Hogan's Heroes. Yeah, I didn't um, care much for that show. It was kind of a spoof of The Great Escape, which I thought was a wonderful movie, one of my favorites. So I didn't. Well, even more so, it was, I drew comparisons to Stalag 17, which was, uh, yes, great, it uh, was derivative of that as well, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, well, Robert Clary, who played LeBeau in Hogan's Heroes, passed away this year. And what I didn't know until I was doing a little digging here, he was born Jewish, as you were, and he was sentenced to a Nazi concentration camp. And that makes that whole thing... Uh, wow, it's hard to believe he'd then be in a sitcom that made jokes about World War Two. <laughs> well, exactly, but... We're back to that thing. Back again, yes. It's a, humor is a coping mechanism. I can see that. You have to deal with your pain. But that was kind of a revelation to me. Now, from my childhood, I don't know that I had a normal childhood, but I was, I was a baby boomer. And uh, here's some of the stars from my childhood that I really loved. Kim Considine, you probably remember him. Oh, uh, yeah, a wonderful a, actor. A wonder. Yeah, he was in Spin and Marty and the Hardy Boys on the Mickey Mouse Club, the original Mickey Mouse Club. 
and and, and, and then the, he was the original of the three sons in My Three Sons. Yeah, yeah he was the oldest, Mike. He was Mike, uh, and then he left the series, and then they adopted Ernie. And as time went on, you never saw the episodes yeah. with Mike anymore. Yeah, but he was the original. But I watched all that stuff when I was a kid. Oh, I there's guess. another one that this is an important one. In Patton, he was the soldier that Patton slapped. Tim Considine. Did you know that? Oh my! Very I brief part, very brief moment in the movie Patton, but the whole story in that movie turned on that. Yeah. My goodness, I did not know that. Get this uh, yellow belly out of the tent. <laughs> yeah. What a great film that was. Now here's one that maybe before most people's time, but I grew up watching a show mostly because my sister watched it. The Many Loves of Dobie Gillis. I used and, to watch uh, that. Yeah, my older sister watched that, too. I kind of watched exactly, it yeah. vicariously. That's just, yeah, that's what was going on. Dwayne Hickman, who played Dobie Gillis, passed away. Most people remember the show because Bob Denver, later to be Gilligan, starred as the beatnik, Maynard G. Krebs. Yes, that's where he got and, his uh, beginning. Yeah, and, and I won a trivia contest once at one of those film cons way back in the early days. This is 70s because i knew what the g stood for in manor g krebs and it, what was it that for, the g stood for walter he was named after his grandmother <laughs> the g stood for walter he was walter named after his grandmother named, yeah that well maynard said that in one episode so he had a grandmother named walter and then he had g for grandma uh, you know maynard was just tripping out <laughs> he was ahead of his time that's actually uh, pretty nutty when you think about it <laughs> Oh yeah, he was a goofball, but he was for me. He was he was kind of like Barney Fife with the Andy Griffith. He was the comic uh, in the thing that made it worth watching. Uh, now Tony Dow, of Leave Wally. It to Beaver, and I'm a huge Leave yeah. It to Beaver fan. And to this oh, day, I watch the reruns every morning. I get up and yeah. watch Leave It to Beaver while I'm having my coffee in the morning. Another great American tradition. You may be starting here. Yeah, I saw uh, Tony Dow in person when I was a little kid. There was a little amusement park yeah. in San Jose called Happy Hollow, and he was a kind of a <laughs> guest celebrity there that day. And he's like, I uh, it was only Tony Dow could. I really like Happy Hollow, and uh, like I think. It's a real neat place. It was pretty, pretty classic. Did he look at you and say, pipe down, squirt? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Beeb, you're just a goofy little kid. Yeah, yeah. So, Tony Dow, uh, and I used to love that show. Sally Kellerman, you remember her as Hot Lips Houlihan. The original Hot Lips Houlihan in the film yeah. version of MASH. Uh, yeah, MASH. She's gone. And then, I didn't watch this show a lot, but it, 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 it was a huge show. WKRP in Cincinnati and Johnny That was not Keith. a bad show. That was a pretty funny program. Yeah, I just didn't happen to. I think it was in a season in my life when I wasn't watching much TV, but Howard Hessman, who played Johnny Fever, died this year. And yeah. then. Funny I, I guy, talented like actor. And, and this was another one of those goofy shows, F Troop. Oh, I loved F Troop. I loved F Troop. Yeah. There was a bunch of those. They had uh, McHale's Navy and F Troop. They started doing. So know, who, who was it from F Troop that just passed away? Larry Storch and a very oh boy. I didn't even realize he was still alive after all these years, but he was a funny guy. Yeah. He was also yeah, in uh, Blake Edwards, the great race. He was mm, the guy in the yeah. Western scene going, now will you give me some fighting room? <laughs> oh man. Uh, and then one more TV star whose name you might not recognize Peter Robbins. Most people don't know who Peter I Robbins. don't recognize that as a matter of fact. Well, you would recognize his voice instantly because he was the voice of Charlie Brown. Oh, I was watching a documentary on the making of Charlie Brown just yesterday, and I saw him as a Mm -hmm. little kid. 
Wow. Yeah, he was a child actor, but that's what he was most famous for. That was a risk those, that they took because the CBS producers yeah. didn't want them to use child actors. In those days with animation, adults would dub for child actors. Speaking of movies, we did some TV stars. Let's talk about some more movie stars that we lost this year. At the top of my list here, Sidney Poitier, who was a tremendous actor. He was a wonderful and, uh, actor. Oh, yeah, he was the first black actor to win the Oscar for Best Actor, uh, now I think they say in a leading role, in the movie Lilies of the Field in 1963. And he sang in the movie, what about that shuffle? <laughs> I can't do it. But uh, it was a great film. And, and my he, favorite uh, of his films was Guess Who's Coming for Dinner. That was well, an excellent was, movie. Yeah, and that one really shook things up because that was about the whole interracial lines of tension. Well, and the family of the white girl played by Spencer Tracy and Catherine Hepburn, they were liberals and had raised their daughter as a liberal. But when she went out and said, okay, so you're going to be proud of me. I don't feel that I have to marry a white man. Whoa, they didn't know how to take it. So I like how they showed the hypocrisy of sometimes those that are the bleeding heart left. Well, and it, it was a challenging time. You and I grew up in that time. And so that was another great film that he did. And then film icon Angela Lansbury, who also worked in television, but she had some great, great roles. And they finally gave her the Lifetime Achievement Award in, in 2013. Yeah, many things. Uh, Murder, she wrote, and of course she was one of the voices yeah. in Disney's Beauty and the Beast, the first animated movie yeah. to ever be nominated for yeah. an Academy Award. Not in the animation section, but against live-action movies. Yeah, yeah. So uh, she was a great one. And then for all of you that love the Bob films, James Kahn, Ray Liotta, Paul Sorvino, Tony Sirocco, and Paul Herman all played mobsters. James Conner, Ray Liotta were... Oh, you you said the mob Uh, films. I thought you said the Bob films. And I'm going, what in the world is he talking about? I thought he said the Bond, like James Bond. Oh, like James Bond. Oh, no. We'll get to that. We're going to get to that soon. But no, you know, the mafia films, the mob films. Yes, I love mob uh, films now that I know what you're talking about. Yes. Now that I'm a big fan of gangster films. Not gangsters, but gangster films. I'm a big fan of Bob films. As soon as you release your first movie, I'll (laughs) be in line. Okay. Well, we'll have to go ice skating first because hell will have frozen over. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know. We'll see what we can do. I love Ray Liotta. My favorite film he did was, of course, Field of Dreams. He played Shoeless Joe Jackson. But, you know, I'm more of a baseball fan that I am a That was a fan. very creative uh, movie, Field of Dreams. I really yeah, enjoyed yeah. that. And, and our friend Winky Pratty said that that was the first post-modern film. He thought it was dumb. And I said, Winky, it was just a fantasy. It was a fairy tale. I don't care. It was dumb. Uh, Winky always has his opinions. Now, William Hurt. Oscar I didn't Hurt. realize that William Hurt passed away. Yes, he did. He did a lot of films. Most of his films were very difficult for me to watch because he dealt with difficult subjects in a lot of the films. However, as he matured, he did graduate into the Marvel Movie of the Month universe as <laughs> uh, <laughs> he played General Thaddeus Ross. Um, you know, some people confuse John Hurt with William Hurt. Now, with William oh, Hurt, wasn't he the guy possibly. that was in Alien where the monster popped out of his stomach? Or do I have the wrong Hurt? That was, that was John Hurt. Oh, that was John yeah. Hurt. Okay, so I'm yeah, saying yeah, them in yeah. reverse. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. It happens all the time. And John Hurt had one of those just unmistakable voices. He was a tremendous, tremendous actor himself. Now, here's one a little more obscure, but one of my favorites. Yvette Mimieu, she was one of those pinup girl actresses back in the 60s, but she played in one of my favorite films. She played Weena 
in the 1960 version of The Time Machine. She was the girl in the future. Oh, okay. Yeah, and we talked about one night we did. That was classic, H.G. Uh, Wells. Yeah, I read the original H.G. Oh, Wells novel, and I of course too. the movie was excellent. Yeah, they did a remake of it. I didn't care for it too no, much. No, I agree. I, I, I See the original one in the 1960s, folks, the one with Rod yeah, Taylor. Not, that was the good one. Yeah, and I read all of the H.G. Wells stuff I could get my hands on as a kid. I, I read. That's part of the reason I'm the way I am. I read I read H.G. Wells, and I read George Orwell, and I read... Uh, uh, Ray Bradbury, um, probably. Yeah, yeah, all that stuff. And, and uh, so, you know, I read a lot of weird stuff when I was a kid, but uh, it, it kind of shaped who I am. I did all that instead of doing drugs. So, <laughs> <laughs> had the same effect. Science uh, fiction, the alternative to drugs. Well, when you watch 2001 A Space Odyssey, that last 15 minutes, you feel like you're on an acid trip, and you won't even have to take yeah, the that, acid. Yeah. In fact, I, I think they designed it that way because it was the 60s. Yeah. Yeah, I went with my best friend to the drive-in. We went down to the front row and got out of the car and put speakers down by our head and laid down on the ground and watched it. And that was really trippy. Anyway, yeah, moving on. A film that I really loved, The Right Stuff. Wonderful movie. Fred Ward played Gus Grissom. Uh, he did a lot of other stuff, too, but that was my favorite. Yeah, and uh, he was the guy that did. didn't get decorated because there was kind of an accident yeah. that took place. He was being blamed for it. The, yeah. the film seemed to leave it up in the air as to whether it had been his fault or not. I don't know historically what the answer is to that, or if they even I, have released sure they, the answer. That we, that we do, yeah. I, I don't know that we do know, but they, the film was great because it really made these guys heroes and i love that about it well about the Mer- the original mercury astronauts we think of the guys that went to the moon but these were the first guys to go into outer space when it was much more dangerous much greater yeah, chance yeah. of not coming back and dennis quaid oh, yeah. got his start in that movie or at least that was the first movie that made him really popular he was probably in a few films before that yeah he played he played uh, gordon um yeah, I lost it now. Uh, the guy that just said, who's he, the best he, pilot in the world, honey? Yeah, who's I, yeah, the best pilot the in the best world? Best, yeah, yeah. There was a lot of great actors in there, but Fred Ward, we, we lost him this year. And then this is what I know you're just going to love this. So Sheen Littlefeather, who declined an Oscar on behalf of Marlon, of Marlon Brando. Brando. Yeah, speaking of gangster movies, God. Marlon Brando won the Academy yeah, Award yeah. as Best Actor of the Year, but two years before that, George C. Scott had turned down the award for Patton, another movie we just mentioned tonight. Yeah, and exactly. it yeah. seemed like George C. Scott did it for legitimate reasons, but two years later, it seemed that turning down the award was becoming fashionable. And people were expecting yeah. Brando to turn it down. A lot of people didn't even know why he was going to. When Princess Little feather went up there and said he turned down the award because not enough roles were offered to native americans the audience literally booed and when raquel welch got up to read a winner for another nominee later in the evening she said let's hope this one doesn't have a cause and there was an applause boy the academy awards and hollywood have really changed since those days haven't they jim really have these days brando would be the biggest hero in the world for doing something like that and if you say a few negative things about trump you'll be an even bigger hero i think he was kind of a nut job myself but he was a phenomenal actor though marlon brando he was tremendous yeah the Final one here in this category, because I don't know when the next break will come up, but film director Peter Bogdanovich. And I mentioned him. The Last Picture Show and Paper Moon. All kinds of films, but he did my favorite comedy, What's Up, Doc? Starring your favorite, 
Barbara Streisand. Yeah, well, again, Babs is a she's a great actress, yeah. a great comedian, great a great actress. singer. She just needs to shut up about politics. I loved What's Up, Doc. I wasn't a huge fan of the last picture show, but anybody who no. has not seen Paper Moon with Ryan O'Neill and his little daughter Tatum O'Neill, yeah. who won Best Supporting Actress that year, she was so good, and she was only like seven or eight years old. Excellent, yeah, yeah. excellent movie. And they filmed it in black and white, even though it came out in the 70s. They filmed it in black and white because it took place in the 30s, and the black and white just gave it more of a feel. Made you yeah, feel like it had been yeah. filmed in the 30s. Excellent, excellent yeah. movie. Yeah, he's a, he's a great director. And and the last, the, the other thing about What's Up, Doc, which I loved, it was Madeline Kahn's first film. And she practically... She was a riot. Film. She was so hilarious. After that time, I was a big fan of hers, whatever she did. She And she did a lot of stuff with Mel Brooks and everything later on. But her personality really came out in that film. But let's talk about some of the losses in the music world that took place this year. Starting it off, the coal miner's daughter. Loretta Lynn. Neither one of us are probably big country western fans, but this woman was was a huge star. She's the most awarded female country recording artist in history. And Sissy Spacek won the Academy Award for portraying her in the film Coal Miner's Daughter. Yeah, yeah, because it was a, it was a story of her life, and so she did that song because it's, that's who she was. Now you might like this person more: four-time Grammy winner Olivia Newton-John. Who, as she you know, was quite a talent. In, she was. I wasn't a really big fan was. of Grease, but I did like Olivia Newton-John. And that was with John Travolta, our favorite. Not a big Travolta fan either, with the exception <laughs> no, yeah. of a few films. Pulp Fiction would be one of them. He did a few good films. That was an intense movie. Uh, that was good. Jackson. Uh, yeah, Travolta starred in may, what may have been the worst film I've ever seen, Battlefield Earth. I so, never even I, saw that one. Don't waste your time. It's but terrible. we lost they, Olivia. I have to and, agree. And, uh, it's terrible. They have like, all the camera angles are like diagonal and weird. And it's not very good. I hate but, it when directors get cute with the camera. I know. Also, well, it, uh, it was just a silly, silly plot. But, it, was it was written was by uh, the guy who made Scientology, too, if I remember right. The yeah, original yeah, book. yeah that's, that's what the whole, it was based on, on yeah. those beliefs. Anyway. But we're not talking about John tonight. Now, Monty Norman, do you know who he is? Sounds Monty vaguely familiar, but not really ringing a bell. Here's a clue. He wrote this tune. Oh, that's the James Bond theme. The James Bond theme. Now, I thought John Barry did most of the James Bond soundtrack. Oh, no, movie, no. But well, just not, not the original theme. Monty Norman wrote it. Barry arranged it. Okay, because that's later that's on in the James Bond movies, yeah. Barry was composing them, too. Yeah, yeah, he was. But the, the original, that piece, James Bond theme, was written by Monty Norman, the most often repeated music piece in film history. 27 movies had that song. James Bond had yeah, a very because, creative way of opening each movie because you'd hear that music, oh, you'd yeah. see the eye, yep. and James Bond shooting the person. Then they'd have a great teaser yeah. scene, and then you had the song, which was always sensational, with a sensational artist, with sensational yeah. graphics. Oh, yeah. And that was always my favorite part of the movie. <laughs> For me, it was all downhill and, after that. I loved the and, beginning and, of know, every James Bond movie. The first film they did with Daniel Craig, the most recent James Bond the very first one he did... Casino Royale. Music. Yeah, they didn't use that piece until the very end, when he kills the bad guy, and before he does, the guy says, who are you? He says, Bond, James Bond. And that music <laughs> comes in, and it's like, okay, Shaken, here. not stirred. <laughs> yeah, um, I love Bond stuff. I still uh, think Sean Connery was the best of all of them, though. Uh, you you got to love Sean Connery. That, 
That's because you're an intelligent. Well, and we grew kid. up with him. He was the original James Bond, so. <laughs> he was. He was. He was great. Now, this is another name I doubt that you know, but I'll explain it. Ronnie Hawkins. Hardcore music buffs know who Ronnie Hawkins is. He had a band. He was a Canadian. He had a band called The Hawks, Ronnie Hawkins and The Hawks. And the band was made up of Lee Von Helm, Robbie Robertson, Rick Danko, Richard Manuel, and Garth Hudson, who became later known as The Band. And they backed up Bob Dylan when he first went electric. And then they recorded their first album, groundbreaking album, music from Big Pink. It wow, and this is the guy that needs softballs? <laughs> I would not have known any of this stuff. This is as hardcore and as detailed as music trivia gets. I, I, I'm here for you. The band, they did the song, Take The Way, you know, Take a Load Off Annie, Put the Load Around Me, that was the band, up on Cripple Creek, the night they drove old Dixie down. Anyway, they all got their start with Ronnie Hawkins. Now, here's a little story. Three piano players walk into a bar. A preacher, a rock and roll sensation, and a country western star. Jerry Lee Lewis and Mickey Gilley, the piano playing cousins of Jimmy Swaggart. Did you know those three men were cousins? No. You mean Jimmy Swaggart, the preacher, the evangelist? TV preacher. Yeah, that was a joke. A preacher, a rock and roll star, a country western star. Jerry Lee Lewis and Mickey Gillen Gilly passed away. In fact, Mickey Gilly, he had a club down in Pasadena, Texas called Gillies, and it's where that urban cowboy thing took place down there back with Travolta. But uh, Jimmy is still alive, and he's still preaching, still singing. All three of those boys could play the piano, though, I'm telling you that. Now, he, another keyboard player, and, and uh, again, one of my favorites, British guy named Gary Brooker. He was the organist and lead singer in Pro Call Harem. Remember Whiter Shade of Pale? I'm not familiar with that. Oh, Brandon, you know that song, don't you? Unfortunately, it's not ringing a bell for me. You're just leaving us in the (laughs) dust tonight, Jim. We're not even in the same stratosphere with you tonight. If I told you what artist I was thinking of that you were going to say, you're going to be like, who again? Who who is that one, too? I'm a little bit more of the younger (laughs) generation. Well, Gary Brooker, God bless him. He became a Christian. And was wound up playing in churches on the big pipe organs over in England. Here's one. I'm sure you know Michael Lee Aday. No. I'm sure you I don't. As, you know him as Meatloaf. Now you know, right? I know. Th- I've heard of the group Meatloaf. No, no. It's a, it's a man. No, he's a guy. Meatloaf, yeah. He's oh, a guy. well, then I haven't even heard of <laughs> he, he was a famous actor and a singer oh, with uh, yeah. I Would Do Anything, yeah. But I Won't Do That. I've heard the name, yeah, but I don't yeah, think I'm familiar guy. with any of his stuff. Oh, my. Well, he sold over $100 million. Ladies and gentlemen, just to show you, if you study hard and become ignorant in your movie Hollywood trivia, you, too, can host a radio talk show. <laughs> but maybe not a music program. So maybe, maybe not. Milo passed away. He was in over 50 films and TV shows, as Brandon mentioned. He was an actor. That's how he got to start in music. He, he tried out for a musical, and his voice was so good. He went on ahead and started recording, and he, he had a, a very successful career. He was a little Boy, odd. When you were doing the TV guys and the movie guys, I was jumping right in there, adding my yeah, own little yeah. bits of trivia, but we, we we're, we're now into back. the part that's very uh, unfamiliar territory uh, for me. Well, we'll bring it back. No, that's okay. No, that's all right. Give you a chance to shine. <laughs> well, okay. Ronnie Spector, one of my favorites, the original bad girl of rock. She was married to Phil Spector for a short period of time. He was a very abusive person. But she sang some songs, Be My Baby, Baby I Love You, when she, uh, her group, the Ronettes. Uh, well, I've, I have at least heard her music. When you mentioned the songs, I yeah. at least had heard those. Yeah. So that's something. I think I get about a quarter and, of a and, point for that. 
And she did some of the Christmas songs when Phil Spector did a Christmas album with all of those people. Uh, but but Ronnie Ronnie Spector, and of course I had a crush on her because she was pretty cute. And then another country star, Naomi Judd. Well, I know you're familiar with, she sang with her daughter Winona, the Judds, and, and sadly she took her own life. It's, it's a pretty tragic story. Her other daughter is the actress Ashley Judd. Uh, I do know Ashley Judd. It is sad that so many celebrities end up taking their own lives. That is such an idyllic looking lifestyle to so many people. And it just shows you that the grass always looks greener on the other side. Yeah, it's not as glamorous all the time. I mean, an awful lot. Well, I imagine a lot of pressure is put on somebody. You get into the spotlight and then you start fearing that you're going to lose it. And who knows? A lot of pressure. Now, this next one, I know you're a fan. Evangelos Odysseus Papathanasio. Uh, you know him as Vangelis. I don't know him as either one, Jim. Okay, okay. Chariots of Fire. You know oh, well, yeah, I know the movie Chariots of Fire. You bet. You should start with the product and then work back to the name. I'll, okay, I'll try doing that. Of the celebrity so, so associated. Anyway, Van, Vangelis wrote the score for that film. And oh, okay, Brothers. well, that's a beautiful score. In fact, Chariots of Fire is one of our pieces of rotating bumper music. I, it, I know, that's why I thought Not at Christmas time, but in the regular part of the year. <laughs> the guy's name is Vangelis. It really it wasn't his real name, but the Greek name was too hard to pronounce and long to spell. <laughs> and then very recently, Christine McVie of Fleetwood Mac passed away at 79. She wrote and sang lead on a lot of her songs, Over My Head, Say You Love Me, Don't Stop, which Bill Clinton used in his campaign, and You Make Love and Fun. <laughs> oh, yeah, the uh, Don't and, Stop and, Thinking About Tomorrow. Yeah, that yeah, was the Democratic yeah, Party's campaign song. Yeah, that, that was Christine's song. She wrote and sang that song with Fleetwood Mac. Uh, And so this concludes our musical segment tonight. If I've got a few minutes here, I don't know, we're going to run out of time here. We lost a couple of comedians, the watermelon smashing Gallagher. Oh, I liked Gallagher. He was an interesting act. He was funny. Gilbert Gottfried, who had the most annoying voice in showbiz. Uh, uh, This is Gilbert Gottfried with USA up all night. (laughs) And, and the voice and he was of the, the parrot in the film <laughs> Aladdin. That's right. And he was the original voice of the duck that said, Aflac! <laughs> I didn't realize that. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Uh, if we have time, and you can just go ahead and interrupt me whenever you need to, because I know we're going to run out of time, but I want to talk about some of the sports figures that passed away this year. Uh, The top of the list for me is basketball great Bill Russell. I shook his hand one year at the Final Four down here when when we had a radio show and Gary and I had seats at the press level. Bill Russell won 11 NBA championships, two NCAA championships, an Olympic gold medal, and two high school state championships there in California. That's 16 titles. That's more than any other individual for a team sport in history. So there is a case for saying that maybe Bill Russell was the greatest basketball player. He certainly maybe had Maybe, that's rings. quite impressive. It, very impressive. And, and I shook his big old hand. Now, he wasn't known for being warm and friendly. He didn't like to do interviews and talk to people. Uh, but he's sitting right there, and I'm walking along, and I saw him, and, and I knew how to get to him because it's at the Final Four, and I said, Mr. Russell, you won this event twice, didn't you? And his big smile came up. Because everybody knows about his career at the Boston Celtics and his NBA titles, but he won two college championships, and he was very proud of that. So he he stuck out his big old hand, and I shook Bill Russell's hand. Another one of my all-time favorites, the quintessential baseball announcer, Vin Scully, the voice of the Dodgers. Do you remember 
the movie For Love of the Game with Kevin Costner. No, I did not see that one. I remember the title. I remember when it came out. Oh, what a great film. Well, Vinny was the voice, the announcer in that film. If I have a dream about a baseball game, Vinny's calling it. Costner has done a lot of movies about sports, hasn't he? Yeah, and Vinny's been Vinny's been in a bunch of them. He he was a great great announcer. Also, another Dodger, Maury Wills, the base stealing shortstop. I emulated him when I was a kid, little league. I had a flip book, and it showed his various slide techniques. <laughs> so both Dodger people there. Len Dawson, quarterback for the Kansas City Chiefs, won Super Bowl four, and then went on to have a, a successful career in sportscasting. And then the greatest punter in NFL history. Oakland Raider, Ray Guy. This guy kicked it further and higher than anybody. In fact, after one game against the Houston Oilers, the Oilers coach, Bum Phillips, only in Texas can you have a coach named Bum, he confiscated the football and took it to Rice University for testing. He was sure that it was filled with helium. (laughs) So that's how high Ray Guy can kick the football. And then close it out here with... Some of and because I'm a, a third generation San Diego native, as you know, I love San Diego, and I want to talk about some of the San Diego sports heroes. The first one is John Hadel, who was the quarterback for the Chargers in the AFL days. I used to go down to Balboa Stadium and watch him throw the ball, and he was a tremendous quarterback and won San Diego's only championship in the AFL in 1963 the Chargers actually won the championship as before the Super Bowl era Hadel was a great one he was a great hero for some of us kids back in those days Ernie Zampezi who was a coach for the Chargers and also a coach at San Diego State passed away this year and one of my favorite guys to watch Lionel Little Train James <laughs> was a running back because his name was Lionel like you know <laughs> His nickname was the Little Train, and he was a running back for the Chargers. Hall of Fame pitcher Gaylord Perry, who was famous for throwing spitballs. He pitched for the Padres, as well as the Giants and the Indians and the Rangers and the Yankees and the Braves and the Mariners and the Royals. He had a 22-year career. He played in an All-Star game one year, and he had a he had a jersey that had all of those names of the teams he played for on one jersey. And he was a great one, entertaining guy, but he was famous for the foreign substance pitch. And then finally, Paul Silas, not Paul and Silas, but the guy's name was Paul Silas, three-time NBA champ and a coach for 32 years. His first job as a coach, he coached the San Diego Clippers. A lot of people don't know that the Clippers started out in San Diego. He was their coach in 1980, and Paul Silas passed away. He was a great basketball personality. So that kind of wraps up my stuff. Uh, uh, well, there's one name, and uh, this is going back to actor right, celebrities, right. that I was surprised you didn't mention, and that was that a few days ago, Kirstie Alley passed away. Oh, my gosh. Where is she? I ha- Yeah, she was right there. Oh, most people know her from Cheers, and some people know her as having been in Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, playing a Vulcan, and then she was replaced by a different actress in the next movie, which was too bad because she was a great character. But I was a fan of Cheers. I didn't think the episodes that had Kirstie Alley were their better ones. She was very talented. I didn't feel that that character was too well developed. She started out kind of sassy and clever, and then at times just got stupid and flighty, but she herself was a 
great comedian, a great actress. Oh, she was tremendous. And yeah, and I had, I don't know why it was not here uh, on my list because I absolutely meant to talk. Thank you for reminding me. Well, me, me. pushing her I back really in her. makes up for all that music uh, sports you know, trivia where I had no idea what was going on. Well, Jim, listen, have a wonderful Christmas holiday and we will and look forward too. to having you back on the show in January. All right. Thanks, guys. The Bob Siegel Show podcast is a production of Bob Siegel and Cross Global Media. Visit us online and subscribe to the show at cgmradio.com slash bob.